and come back to America just before the war. All the papers had carried the story. I was stunned and, of course, excited. I tried to go back to the ordinary office routine, but the clock on the wall stood still. I'll never forget how long that day lasted. I gathered papers, pencils, and all the paraphernalia necessary to draw a will and put them in my briefcase at least a dozen times. <laughs> to look impressive, I even added the statute book. Maybe this is what I'd been waiting for. Maybe this was to be my first break. At exactly seven o'clock, I got into my car and began the long drive to the country estate of my client. I was tingling with anticipation. You can't drive in here, mister. It's private property. I'm looking for 127 Kingsbury Road, Mr. Walker's residence. What's your name? O'Connell, John Francis O'Connell, attorney at law. Oh, yes, yes, go right in. Mr. Walker's expecting. Thank you. Come in, please, Mr. O'Connell. Mr. Walker is waiting for you. He's in his study on the second floor. Thank you very much. As I entered the door, it was like a beautiful dream come true. I mean her, of course. She was sitting at the massive concert grand piano, completely engrossed in her music. She was exquisite, something out of a picture book. She had a wild, barbarous look, and her blonde hair seemed to keep tempo to the strange, savage music she was playing. As I passed her, she glanced up for just a fleeting moment, and I saw she had brown eyes, eyes that seemed to probe deeply into my soul. She gave me one long, intense look, and then I lowered my eyes and followed the servant up the stairs. Who was this strange creature, this most beautiful, most sensuous of women? Even the scent of her exotic perfume reached out like tentacles of doom and encircled me. Unfortunately, I was to learn later I was ushered into Mr. Walker's private sanctum sanctorum. Glad you're here, O'Connor. Here, sit down over here by my desk and we'll go to work. Thank you, sir. I feel very honored... Don't to... be. You may yet rue the day I called you. Do you have a drink? Yes, thank you. Here's to a momentous night. And to your health, Mr. Walker. You've given me a hollow toast, Mr. O'Connor. Because my doctor has given me just two weeks to settle my affairs and die. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not unhappy about it. I've made millions, had everything. It's time to let someone else have a chance. Now, here are the bequests I've made. They're all down here on a slip of paper. All but one. And that's what I want to talk to you about, Mr. O'Connor. Sir, you saw Nodge playing the piano as you entered, didn't you? Well, yes, sir, I did. I thought she was very unusual, very lovely, very... I love her because she's a genius. I would gladly give everything I own to have had her musical talent. And I think she loves me, too. But there again, she loves not me, but what I represent, which is power through wealth. This is a strange love that has borne strange fruit. I intend to perpetuate it. 
I want to die knowing that she will never love another man, that her every living breath will be devoted to music and to my memory. But, Mr. Walker, how can I... I'll answer your questions. Nadja has one weakness, a human weakness, to be sure, but nonetheless a dominant one. Nadja loves power, needs power, in order to concentrate on her music. I honestly think she would sell her soul for power in order to accomplish her goal. That is my only chance to hold her, and I'm going to do just that even though it's from my grave. The last bequest in my will is one to you for $10 million. $10 million? $10 million to be held in trust by you for the use and benefit of Nadja Winter. She's to receive the entire income for the rest of her life, as long as she lives here in this house alone and never marries. Mr. Walker, you can't be serious. On the contrary, I was never more serious.